Hello and welcome to the UK Flying Podcast. I wanted to start this week's episode just with a thank you. A thank you to you, the listener. This show couldn't exist, breathe, and you guys really are the oxygen to this show. With that in mind, we're asking for your feedback. Who would you like to come on the show? Who would you like us to interview? Maybe you would like to come on the show and chat on a subject. We're really open to anyone in the flooring industry coming on here, having a chat and just making this show better for us, for you, the listener and anyone else that wants to get involved. So with that in mind, don't forget there is a follow or a subscribe button somewhere on your browser you are listening to this. Make sure you hit that and that will get you notified for any new episodes, release special uh, release episodes or anything like that, you'll get a notification. So don't forget to hit that. Now let's get on with the show. This week I've got Todd Saunders from New York and Todd's got a great story. Todd started off um, at Google and now is the CEO of the world's biggest flooring technology and marketing platform and we see what it's took to get him to that point. I enjoyed this show. I enjoyed all the shows, but this one was a special episode we recorded a little bit of time ago, but I'm sure you listeners will enjoy Todd's story. Sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and do not forget to reach out and give us that feedback. Welcome, Todd. Thank you for coming on the UK Flying Podcast. First of all, who is Todd Saunders? <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that one out, um, but... I guess there's some things that, you know, who other people think Todd Saunders is. Um, I'm the CEO at a company called Broadloom. We are the largest technology company um, in the flooring industry, at least in the US. I'm not sure worldwide, to my knowledge, maybe, I I don't know. Um, But we do everything for flooring retailers. That means we're an all-in-one technology platform. So website, product visualization, right? So customers can see that product in their room, Uh, CRM, lead management, digital marketing, ERP accounting, back office, payment processing, you name it. Uh, We're kind of a one-stop shop, fully integrated technology suite for flooring retailers. So how does the customer, just so I understand a bit more about Broadloom, if it was a brand new company and they had nothing, how do they, they start with a website and then you have, it just works their way through your software. Is that right? Or explain that to me. Yeah, and actually, let me take one step back because the first question you could you kind of asked me a first question: Who is Todd Saunders? And I told you who is Broadloom. We're probably one of the same, but I do have a different story for myself as well. That'd be great. Um, that's pretty unique. So I actually started my career at Google. Okay. Uh, worked at Google in um, San Francisco for two years. Uh, that was from 2013 to 2015, and then my co-founder and I left Google and started an advertising technology company. The company was called Ad Hoc. Um, We were kind of the classic venture capital backed business, you know, Silicon Valley, you know, what you all hear about. Um, Grew the business to about 10, maybe 8 million in revenue, somewhere between 8 and 10 million in revenue. It's hard for me to remember at this point Um, from 2015 to 2017. And what we realized in 2017 was we had one customer that was bringing us as an advertising technology company and coming from the Google ads team, um, you know, at Google, we had this one company bringing us a ton of business and it was this website company called floor force. And they were a website company for the flooring industry. Okay. So started to kind of do more work with them and fell in love with the flooring industry. 
and we actually shut down the rest of our business, bought Floorforce and became a advertising technology and website platform for the flooring industry. And that was in 20, late 2018, maybe early 2019. And then realized that there was even a bigger opportunity than what we initially thought where we weren't, couldn't, we didn't want to just be a website and digital marketing software company. We wanted to be the full kind of turnkey all-in-one integrated solution for flooring retailers. So what we did is we bought Floor for- so Floorforce had been around for 20 years, um, maybe 15 years. It was started by a guy named John Weller. And his actually partner was uh, Mark Loberbaum, who is one of the family that uh, basically owns Mohawk or, you know, is, is the CEO of Mohawk Industries. Okay. Um, so they were around for about 15 years. I then found out they had a competitor called Creating Your Space. They've been around for about 20 years. We acquired them and they joined us to help build our website platform. And then we acquired... Um, the what we would consider the best product visualization company. Uh, they're actually based in the UK. They were a company called Freetail. Uh, some people know them as Visual Mine. So we have an office actually in the UK. We then acquired the largest backend software ERP kind of accounting software called Rollmaster. We then acquired another ERP called Banaboom. And then we acquired the largest CRM lead management tool for the flooring industry called Retail Lead Management. That was all in like a two and a half year period. And so basically, like when people ask me what is Broadloom and how long has Broadloom been around, it's hard for me to say because I've been working on this business, although it pivoted into the flooring industry like four years ago. I've been working on it since, you know, 2015. And a lot of the people we acquired have been working on it since, you know, 20 or 30 years ago. So depending on who you ask, we've been around for five years or 25 years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's our story of how we all went from Google. So now we're 180 employees. Half of us are from like tech, Google, Facebook, Amazon. The other half are from traditional flooring companies. Um, and it makes us really unique. So anyway, I want to make sure I got that story out there because I think um, no, it sets no. who we are. No, that's that's fab. And how how did you scale so so quick? Again, I've got no experience of scaling. I've scaled business in myself, but not not on that that rate how did you mentally and emotionally sort of go from right this is what we're going to going to do how did that come about or was it just you just had a a goal you know explain that a little bit it sounded really interesting two and a half years um yeah listen i've reflected on that um looking back it was absolutely crazy like we had a good business venture backed good board of investors all that type of stuff and then we just kind of like shut it down. I mean, it's hard for me to think in what was going in through my head at that point and how naive I was of like why we did that. Um, but I've learned over my career that I am um, very intuition based. And um, once I make a decision, I kind of run with it, which is good and bad, right? There's good and bad parts to that. So I, it, it, listen, I remember how it all came to be. We were partners with Floorforce. It was the the relationship was growing rapidly. And they invited me to a flooring conference. I was used to my idea of a conference was uh, like a technology conference, right? So like a dream force that Salesforce puts together or something else. Um, so I go to this conference and I'm expecting like content and networking. And like, we all sit down and we watch these amazing speakers give these talks. And that's yeah. kind of what I was expecting. And I walked in and it was the exact opposite. It was like, a bunch of people touching carpet samples that all look the same to me as an outsider. And I was like, damn, this is not what I expected. So then a few weeks later, I went to my first surfaces 
Um, and sorry if you hear my crazy dog in the background, but I went to my first surfaces, which is the largest flooring show in the US. It's in Vegas. It's actually next week. Um, and they were like, oh, you're from Google. Do you want to talk? And I'm like, oh, this is the big you know, conference. It's where everyone talks. And I'm thinking there's going to be this big stage. It's going to be amazing. I put together this deck about like, yeah, I don't even remember what the deck was about. And I was pretty excited by it. And I get there and there's like a little step stool in the corner. And they're like, yeah, go stand on that step stool. And like, just go yell. And I'm like, what, what? what are you talking about? Um, and it was just, it, it was eye-opening to me how much the flooring industry was passionate about the product because everyone goes around and like touches the product and they're like, this is amazing. Yeah. But what the other side was amazing to me was there was no networking, there was no education and there was no way for retailers or flooring brands to tell their story that is so unique and interesting. And so that was a pivotal moment for me when I kind of saw all of that. And I don't know, it, it just kind of all clicked and we just saw this opportunity and just kind of went for it. But looking back, it was kind of nuts. At the time, I didn't feel like it was nuts at all. But, you know, that's how I think all good ideas probably start. Yeah, absolutely. So Broadloom now is just one software and um, one. So obviously with multi um, assets off it, but a new contractor um, or um, retailer, let's say, just has this one software and you can then build a business on that. Is that right? Correct. Yep. It's just one software, um, but you don't have to take it all, right? Like we have about 3,500 customers, give or take, um, you know, uh, some of them just have our website. Some of them have website CRM. Some of them have kind of all the whole. So it's not like you have to buy it all. No. Some people just have, you know, portions of it. I would say though, what makes us unique is that like, we are rapidly growing. We are rapidly investing in technology and always trying to get better. So this is not something that's like set in stone and set it and forget it. We are pushing ourselves forward and hopefully pushing the flooring industry forward as we go. Okay. And what challenges have you found with the US flooring market or even the worldwide flooring market? What do you think the biggest challenges are that faces all? Yeah, there's a few challenges. I mean, I, I'm not going to, there's micro, there's macro challenges, I guess, right now, um, obviously with the economy and the headwinds that we're all going to see. Um, I think that's almost a separate conversation. I think um, more high level, the biggest challenges of the flooring industry are one, lack of installers, skilled trade, right? That's a huge problem. Um, there's just no, we're running out of installers and that whole generation is retiring. And we're not, at least in the US, teaching kids that trade is okay and going to college isn't for everyone. And you can make just as much, if not more money in the trade. Uh, so that's a huge problem. I would say a second problem is that re a lot of retailers have the, have the um, mentality of, well, it worked for me for the last 30 years, so I'm going to keep doing it. And my concern is, well, the mattress company said the same thing, and so did Blockbuster. And history is going to repeat itself, so you have to change your mindset. Um, so there's just a, a mindset change that I think is affecting the flooring industry. Um, and then I think last, last is... A, the experience of buying flooring stinks. Like I just say it for what it is. Like buying flooring is hard. Like e even my family, I'm in the flooring industry. I know flooring very well. And like my my parents, like I want to go buy flooring, and I'm like taking them to a store, and the store is so crowded with a million displays and all the synonyms and and acronyms, and you can't even tell the difference, and it's confusing. And like it's like what 
it was buying mattresses, right? That's kind of what the experience was like a long time ago. And those are the three big things, right? That I really think is holding the flooring industry. Well, that, that leads nicely onto my next question. The future of the flooring industry, I feel, is going to be connected with tech. But there's still a lot of people hanging on to the bricks and mortar store. and But then there's a lot of people pushing forward on VR and things like that. Where, without giving away some huge secrets, where do you think we're going to go worldwide, and how are people going to be buying flooring in five years' time? Yeah, listen, I don't. If you look, like I don't think brick and mortar is going away. I know a lot of people think that. I mean, maybe it gets consolidated. I mean, look at Casper. I, you know, Casper is big in the U.S. They wiped out every flooring locally owned flooring store. Um, because they provided a better way to buy flooring, right? And everyone said, oh, you have to lay on the mattress. Oh, like buy your mattress online. You can't because you have to lay on it and you have to feel it and all, you know, all of that. Well, the truth is I can buy a mattress online. I could get a Tesla right now. I guess on 50 grand, get a Tesla right now, get it delivered to my driveway probably by tomorrow. And if I don't like it, I can return it. Yet we make a $10,000 purchase in the flooring industry. We make it so difficult. Um, now they're... They're different, right? Because I can't just buy flooring and have it be on my floor, right? So there's the that part of it. And there's a lot of education out there about cars and brands. And there's not that many brands in flooring. So it's a lot harder to buy online in confidence. But I think where it's going is the experience is going to change. I think you're going to see showrooms, flooring retailer showrooms go from how can I fit as much product in my showroom as possible? to how can I work with manufacturers that actually support me in my technology and help me get a better consumer experience? Not, hey, someone might ask about this product one day. How can I shove it into my showroom? Because it's a mess, right? It creates a mess. And what I'll tell you, and we're helping retailers do this, is every showroom is set up vinyl, hardwood, laminate, tile, whatever, you know, carpet. And the truth is the customer has no idea the difference between laminate, vinyl, and hardwood for the most sense, right? Like, especially once you get down to like SPC, W, like once you get down into the nitty gritty, they want flooring that looks like wood that is durable. Yeah. Even today, and even today, I, I truly cannot really, I mean, technically I can tell you the difference between laminate and vinyl plank, but like if a customer had a gun to my head, it's like, which one should I buy? I'd kind of be like, mm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, laminate's actually more durable, but like whatever. Um. So I, what we're helping retailers do is like, why don't you get rid of 50% of the displays in your showroom? Less is more. And rather than organize it like that, let's organize it like personas. So let's put all your value products here. Let's put all of your luxury products here, your design products here and your performance products here. But that includes all product types. So when Mrs. Jones comes in the front door and says, hey, I have an Airbnb, I'm renting it out. You know, it's college kids in there. You know right away, take her to the value section. And yeah. let her shop all the different products in the value section and tell the story about the value section and same with the luxury section and so on and so forth. So I guess where I'm going with that is the experience will change, but I'm not sure brick and mortar changes. I think the experience will change um, and technology will aid that and make that happen faster. But uh, that's kind of where I see it going. And do you think there's going to be virtual showrooms like with VR, like where you can literally sit in your living room or kitchen where you can literally select the the, the the image that you're seeing and then select that and then select fitting or is that do you think it's still going to need i'm on the on the on the fence if it 
still needs that human interaction um, rather than just clicking a button and then some herringbone flooring turns up. You know, how do you think that's going to work? <laughs> it's like a, like it's a, it's a tough question. Like, yes, people will shop using VR. Does that mean that showrooms are going away? No. It's like, I, <laughs> I want to be for the flooring industry on the cutting edge of technology, but the truth is, we're 20 years behind or 10 years behind every other industry. So what's nice about the flooring industry is we can just follow what has happened in every other industry. And rather than guess what's going to happen, we can just look at history and say, we're 10 years behind. Let's just copy exactly what's happening. And let's use the automotive space as an example. You're not buying cars in VR, right? That's not happening yet. Once you buy cars in VR on automotive, give it five years and you will on flooring. But what you are doing in automotive is, Dealer people aren't going to dealerships uneducated, not knowing what they want, not doing their research. And to be frank, a lot of people are buying cars from car vending machines online and getting delivered to their house. So that is the stage we're at at this point. Uh, once automotive goes to full VR, then I'm willing to talk about five years from now. From that point, yeah. flooring industry going to full VR. Um, but like VR or AR is still important to like. Listen, the hardest thing for Mrs. Jones when she buys flooring is what is it going to look like? Yeah. Right. I think I saw some stat and I can't remember the numbers, but like the majority of people are confident and the, the majority of people that pick out flooring are dissatisfied when it's installed. And it's mostly because of the color and they feel surprised and they didn't think it was going to look like that. Yeah. Right. Like, and that's because it's just very difficult to imagine what this one little plank of flooring is going to look like across my giant room with my lights and the windows and everything. So, I think it'll help aid in the process, but I don't know. I, 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 we're not there yet. Oh. And is there any plans to bring the software to the UK in the in the future? I'd love to. We have UK customers. So we have about 3,500 customers. I'm going to guess less than 50 are in the UK. But like I mentioned, our visualization company is based in the UK. Okay. Um, I would love to. I mean, something that makes us unique is if you sign up with a website with us, for instance, we have the catalogs of every manufacturer, all the, so you can like shop. So you can go to the product image, you can click on the image, you can look at the specs, you can visualize it in your room. And that's for every product out there. So you can really go shopping as a consumer. Now we don't let you buy per se, but you can browse catalogs like full catalogs. Um, listen, we'd love to go to the UK. I think we are doing something really special in the US. And to be frank, like, we don't really have an entrance into the UK. Um, but Never we're always open to, to talking about that. But right now, focus on the US. It's a big market here in the US. And more about flooring, but what is your fla- favorite flooring product? And what have you got fitted to your home? Um, I live in New York City in a 1300 square foot apartment in New York City and Greenwich Village. Um, so I have old school classic parquet floors uh, that are in my old Art Deco building forever. And say what you want about parquet. I wouldn't install it now, but in an old school Art Deco New York City building, it's amazing. Um, if I had to rip it up and put something down, I mean... I don't know, an oiled finished European white oak floor, you know, wide plank, very modern farmhouse look is probably what I would put down. Um, I just helped my parents buy a floor um, and that's what they got and it looked beautiful. So that's probably what I would do. How about you? I would say probably more traditional um, 
traditional herringbone with the borders round and then maybe a metal inlay um, or a detailed in, as detailed as possible if I was going to build a house and probably chevron in the hall. So chevron and herringbone mix and then planks upstairs, I would think. So it's, uh, but with the, the real detailed borders, uh, not nothing too chintzy as such, but, but just where you can see the craftsmanship's been in. Uh, at home, I have a 220 European white um white oiled plank fitted through the whole ground floor of the house but uh it was it's not the forever awesome. house so it's uh, but it's a big wide european long length plank so so is vinyl plank I mean, in the us vinyl plank is like 70 percent of sales now is that happening in the uk as well i don't know the exact percentage but certainly vinyl is really taken over because i think i've had discussions with other people where the economy and the price of quality wood flooring has gone 40 to 60 percent up let's say in the last two years so where you could buy a really expensive um so really expensive really good quality european floor and it was available to certain caliber of client let's say now you're not that's not available so they're now looking at other options i even had the i um chat with a a laminate manufacturer the other, the other day and i said look are you going to get a bigger market share now because everyone can't afford the vinyl or the the wood and that might be the case so i don't know the percentage in answer but i think the economy is having a lot to say about prices when i was out on the tools i used to get let's say a hundred pound per square meter supplied and fitted we're now with 230 supplied fitted you know damp proof glue skirting boards anything like that like so we're talking a completed turnkey job but in comparison to 17 years ago we're, we're, we're doubling a bit more so um so i do think the the vinyl is gonna keep going at the pace it's going um it's not my strong point my background's wood but it's uh but certainly um but I just can't get excited about it. I'm just wood through and through because it's uh, yeah, of course. It's, of it's, course. Uh, the the vinyl, the laminates, etc. Are, 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 are a picture of what the real thing would be. So, um, totally agree. It's just scary that like, you know, Mrs. Jones goes in the showroom. She's pulling up hardwood, and she's like, "Is this laminate?" Um, right? Like you hear that all the time. And if I laid out all of those products, you probably, I mean, you could tell the difference. And maybe I could tell the difference, maybe, but like Mrs. Jones cannot. And, you know, what I hear a lot in the U.S. is like, what is going to happen with all these lock systems, you know, that probably will fail and aren't waterproof, even though we say they're waterproof. They're waterproof on top, but that's not what everyone thinks. Uh, What's going to happen in five years from now? Like, in my opinion, it was meant for like... I'm making up a number. Let's just say it was meant for 500k, 500k home or lower, and now it's going into million dollar homes and all like you know and higher. And I think what's going to happen is like in five years from now, it, when it's failing, it's going to get ripped up all across the country. There's going to be a boom in the flooring industry because there's going to be so many rip ups yeah. and hardwoods going to boom, and it's actually going to be great. Listen. There's conspiracy theories that even the the floor manufacturers know this. They want turns, right? Um, They don't want a product like luxury vinyl plank to be in there for 30 years. So I think there's a big turn happening in the next few years um, of, you know, away from vinyl plank, but we'll see if I could predict it, I would. I think there's a lot coming. It still hasn't 
hit it's they've tried to come into the market quite several times where it's the the hdf core and you've got the one mil of oak where retail wise you would um the client if you could see that it was one mil would put the client off but if you put a trim around the sample board um to not show the thickness of the oak and then explain the durability um as in impact and scratch um it was a very sellable product but as soon as the uk sort of retail client sees it's one mil suddenly they associate that with lack of quality or lack of durability yes you can't sand it yes you've got to rip it out maybe after 20 30 years but i've seen that coming in for the last 10 years and it sort of comes in goes out comes come, you know, and people keep showing the technology but people still not biting on and it's it's very much nearly touching that the the vinyl market that's the uh that's what i see quite a lot um I suppose yeah. you do get the best of both worlds there, but again, it, it's brilliant for retail where they're doing shop refits, where they'll get ten years out for retail and they just rip everything out and start again. But home home user, I don't I don't know. It's uh, it's a strange one. Yeah, uh, and it's easy to install, right? So yeah. you know, these click lock systems make it easy, especially for the issue I told you earlier of like um, short labor, right? So it's good. That's right. That's it. So what's the ideal client for Broadloom in the US, like who is, I'm assuming you do lots of different size clients, but who is the ideal person? I mean, we have customer, I think, as low as $300,000 in sales and our biggest customer does $190 million. Um, so we're somewhere in that range, but yeah. <laughs> I would say like our 75% of our customers do between one to 10 million. Okay. That's like where our core customer is. I would say, you know, the majority and somewhere between three to 10, five to 10 is kind of the core. But, you know, I think we're really good at, but we do one thing, right? We build software for flooring retailers. And when you just do that, you can live within flooring and live up or down that that chain. Um, I think it's really hard for someone that's out of flooring to be in flooring and out of flooring. But I think it's really easy for someone in flooring to go, one million to twenty million dollar deal. You kind of know the differences, um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the range of what we're looking for. But you know, less than I don't know. Our websites are also expensive. They're not. Ex it depends how you consider expensive. I think they're not expensive for the ROI you get. But our cheapest website is like four forty nine a month. Um, you know, so if you're looking for a ninety nine dollar website, it's not. Yeah. We're not your right person. No, which is fine. So yeah, I was going to say. So that probably I was going to ask the question there about: Do you have in the US where you might have like one guy in a van that would come to your home and offer a service in the like hardwood or vinyl, or whatever, or you can go to the store of any sort of size? Um, but your software wouldn't be good for the guy in the van. Is there any sort of? Is that right? Or is it? You know, I'm assuming they could use it, but it's going to be a, an investment that they might they might want. Yeah, I think dollars. <laughs> Yeah, I, listen, I think the guy in the van um, should feel like they're, listen, when you get our website, right, you end up getting more leads, which is good. But if you don't have a process below those leads, like good lead management, and you have you answer the phone calls, and you are able to follow up, there's no reason to spend the money to get the extra leads and the extra business, right? So like, if you truly look, I would say every retailer needs more leads, everyone needs to, you know, well, everyone wants to make all more money. Great. But if truly, honestly, you're a one man in a van and you're doing the measures and the install and the selling, like 
you don't want to be a leaky bucket. There's no reason to pay that money to be a leaky bucket. So, you know, you might as well have a, have a good online presence, but not spend as much money and do something a little bit different. But I don't know. My view is like everyone should want more leads and everyone should be able to improve their business. But I do understand if you're a startup, right? Like I was a startup, we were a startup of two people and I wouldn't spend money on Salesforce and now I'm on Salesforce, right? So there's always a time. Uh, I had a good one this this morning. We we if anyone follows our digital media um, market agency on uh, Instagram, we just send them a message back saying, "Hey, thanks for the follow. Um, if we're getting a bit of help, you know, just standard message, really polite and friendly." And the guy replied back, "Thank you so much. Um, I will never need a website because they don't work. I had one three years ago, and I got one lead um, in full twelve months." It may have been down the website, but I don't believe in websites, and I only now use Facebook. But thanks anyway for reaching out to say hi. I was like, wow. <laughs> so yeah, I was uh, people's mindset over marketing sometimes is it is the restriction, not actually the website. I just thought it was a really interesting sort of response, just to hey, how are you doing? Then it was just uh, a Facebook is using it, but I mean Facebook works, but it's just but yeah, it was an interesting uh, message. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I'm curious on your side, like um, in the US, there's all these Facebook groups. I don't know if you're how many of these Facebook groups you're in. Are there UK based flooring groups for like retailers to be in? Because there's a lot in the US. Uh, Retailers, not really. Contractors, yes. Um, So we have a group, I think, with circa 5000 contractors in. Um, that we run and manage. But they, but one of the reasons we set up Cockrell & Co was to support retailers because we used to be a retailer and you used to sit in your sh- in your store, uh, have your fitters, have your whatever, but it used to be a really lonely place. So in answer to your question, no, there isn't really for any support for the retail network. Yes, there's the Harrogate show where everyone gets together, but you just go and see the, the, the representative that you see that comes and sees you and has a, has a cup of tea on a... Uh, you know, on a monthly basis, but there isn't like a network. And the biggest thing we have from our mentoring clients is communication with other mentees. So if, you know, someone in London has a store and someone has one in Scotland, they love speaking about the pros and the cons of owning the store. And that's one of the biggest feedbacks we've had is that open line communication. Yes. With us, because we were there to support, but with each other. So I think it would be a, a great thing if, it gets, but I think, again, I think a lot of store owners in the UK, and I still haven't put my finger on it, and we've done so much research into it, Facebook groups and Facebook seem to attract a certain caliber of individual. Instagram, which obviously there is no groups, you've got a much higher level quality of client, quality of interaction, just as a whole. So if you look at it like values of jobs, you would say, let's say you get up to a £1,000 job on Facebook, but you could easily get a £10,000 job on Instagram with the same similar content. And I still haven't put my finger on it. So there is an element of people associate Facebook in the UK with, if it's a group, people are going to be sort of bitching about this or doing this or that. It's not a real community, um, but it's certainly something we're trying to change, but it's, um, or take it off to another platform where, it could, you know, but Facebook is the easiest, I think, in the UK where to create a group and and communicate with people. But, I mean, the groups are not bad, but it just seems to be some stigmatism around Facebook groups. And, you know, and I'd be really interested if Instagram released a group um, somehow. Um, 
if you get a different caliber of people that's that's my kind of take on groups it's, uh... yeah no I, I i totally agree and and i totally agree i think there's the facebook groups is a whole thing and i actually think the more i get into and listen i'm a classic um you won't find a bigger google ads nerd than me i know you guys do google ads and you know i, I think they're great but um i think content marketing is like now when you type in the Google, like if I want to buy a TV, I'm typing in best TV for living room. Yep. And I want to see content. And I want to read that content. So I'm, you know, I think the flooring industry is going to get deeper into the content marketing again. How do I know this? Because like we're five years behind everyone else and everyone else has done it. So what's good about the flooring industry again, is that just copy what we know works because we can just follow the other industries. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's, um, I was going to ask you a question. And I can't remember what it was. Um, I will move on and then I'll remember in a second. So what what is next for Broadloom? Now you've sort of, have you got any more acquisitions coming up or what? what is the game plan for the next uh, 12 and then five years? That's a good question. Um, listen, today we build software for flooring retailers, but I don't want to stop there. I think the flooring industry has to change and it starts with software. So our core customer is the retailer, but we're starting to work more and more with manufacturers to help them tell their story and their brand. Uh, so you're kind of seeing our business evolve a bit from just working with retail to now that we have a relationship with retail, how do we help manufacturers build their brand, build their presence and tell their story that they're currently not able to tell? I want. I just want to see the flooring industry get better. Right. In the, the day, if the flooring industry gets better, we'll look at how we can build software or groups or... Like even, I'll give you an example. We had retailers, let me go full circle here. So I said at the beginning of this, why we started the company, we went to the show and you know there was no content and marketing and, and that, it wasn't you know what I expected. Three years ago, we launched FloorCon, which was our flooring conference for the industry. And it's all content. Like you sit down and you watch and people go on stage. And last year we had Michelle Vermette, the former CEO of Armstrong, Andrew Yang, presidential candidate, Jason Goldberg, $200 million flooring store, you name it. We had like who is who in the flooring industry talking and educating retailers in the audience about how to get better and what their story was. So to kind of come full circle, is that technology? No. Does that push the industry forward? Yes. Uh, so we will continue to do things that we think push the industry forward and you know, hopefully help our business and hope help retailers and we can all win together. You've just actually read my mind. My question was, tell me more about FloorCon. Is there a FloorCon um, this year? Is there? Yeah, we just had it in November. We're going to have it again. We've had it every November. We're going to do it this year in October. We had like 700 people attend last year. Um, I will tell you that the resounding response from FloorCon was, I learned a lot, but more importantly, I'm now reinvigorated and excited to be in the flooring industry again, which makes us so happy as a business if that's all we keep hearing you know then i think we won um so yeah there'll be another floor con this year it's probably going to be um in the southern part of the u.s so think maybe florida georgia area um but yeah. still tbd when we do it well i'm meant to be coming it's my 40th birthday in october and my commitment for my well my oh. commitment my wife when's said, your birthday 18th of October. That's my birthday. Wow. <laughs> so there we go. But I we've made a commitment, uh, me and my wife, that we're going to come to the US. 
my 40th. Um, the idea was possibly New York, but that could change now. <laughs> so where you? I'm Florida. Yeah, so Florida could be the place. Florida is beautiful. New York is beautiful. If you need recommendations on either. Um, I know both very well. They're probably the two most visited live in New York and visit Florida a lot. So fabulous. Well, I'll uh, I'll certainly keep in touch to get the details for that. Um, right, we're going to go into a little bit of a fun, quick round just about you. We always do it on the podcast. Um, and so, McDonald's or Burger King? Uh, which one and why? Can I go Chick Fil A? Um, but if I hadn't didn't have to go Chick Fil A, I would go. Um, mcdonald's because and actually i'll shout out brian elias who i talked to a few weeks ago he runs a company called reflor and what he got me to appreciate about mcdonald's is they're in forget the food i think the food's pretty similar chick-fil-a best food mcdonald's and burger king similar food uh but the operation of mcdonald's is so incredible that like they just have a process and a machine and anyone can go work there and know exactly what to do, how to do it, when to do it with consistency. And I appreciate that. So I'll go McDonald's. Brilliant. Um, sunbathing or skiing? Ooh, sunbathing. No, no question. Not who wants to be cold. And if you won um, 10 million US tonight on the lottery, what are the first five things you would buy? Um, well, let me skip over all the things that I would buy because it's not going to be fun for my friends and my family and, you know, my parents and all of that stuff. So let me skip over that. I will get them first before I get myself. Uh, but if I really wanted to be selfish and buy some things for myself, first thing would be I would put a golf simulator in my apartment so I could golf on the weather whenever I want. Um I'd then probably buy, I'm trying to think what I would buy. Um, a bigger New York City apartment would be pretty nice. You know, 1,200 square feet in New York gets a little cramped when you and your wife both work at home and you have a dog. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I don't really need things. I don't really, I'd probably go out to a nice dinner. Um, I'm a huge fan of chicken parmesan. Maybe get a nice one and have a good bottle of wine and, I don't know, get back to work. That's probably what I would do. Are you a car guy? I mean, I'd buy it. No, no. I mean, I guess it depends because you're a car guy. We just bought a car. My wife got a brand new car, but it's nice, but it's not like, I'm not going to spend a hundred thousand dollars in a car. Let me tell no. you that. No, I just, that's not my thing. So even with the, the tent. Oh, I got it. I would buy season tickets, box seats to the New York Yankees every single year. I'm a huge baseball fan. Um, that's what I would do. So, yeah. So, no Lamborghini, just um, just just the seats, the best seats yep. in the house for the baseball. Correct, it? best seats in the house, a good bottle of wine, and maybe some chicken parm. That's what I would do. Fabulous, right? Um, and how can people reach out to you and your team if they if they want to? What's the best way to do that? Um, I'm always available via my phone number. It's um, what's well, in the US? So one nine zero eight two four six seven five seven four. You could go to broadloom.com. That's B-R-O-A-D-L-U-M-E.com. Or you can just email me at Todd, T-O-D-D dot Saunders, S-A-U-N-D-E-R-S at broadloom.com. Please don't spell it L-O-O-M. It's broadloom is B-R-O-A-D-L-U-M-E. Yes, I know it's not the classic broadloom, but that's the point. Um, but anyway, that's how you can reach out. We're always available. 
or message me on Facebook or something or LinkedIn. I think that's maybe where you message me, right? That's right. Absolutely. LinkedIn. So, yeah. Um, I respond everywhere. Brilliant, Todd. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been, been great. I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, no, I appreciate it and uh, hope to see you in Florida in October. If you'd like to find out more information about what we do, you can visit our website at cockerellandco.co.uk. That's cockerellandco.co.uk. We also have an Instagram account, which is cockerellandco, and also we are on Facebook. Once again, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, and we look forward to seeing you here again soon.